Chapter 38 Prince Charming Although Nix and her friends were exhausted at school the next day, no one complained. They had agreed to try to keep their prank as quiet as possible. So, of course, by second period, the entire school knew about the Hainsworth haunting and McGuckin's amateur ghost hunting excursion. For the skeptics, Nix's bruised and battered face served as proof that the night of terror had really happened. During second period, Jordan pestered Nix for her side of the story, but she put him off until they had more time. This was an account she didn't want to rush. If McGuckin overheard talk of his involvement, he didn't admit to anything. Except for the bandage on his cheek, he was the same old vice principal, shouting at slow-moving freshmen, writing up students for spilling water at the drinking fountain, and glaring at all sentient creatures as if their existence was a major inconvenience to him. On the bright side, he didn't give Jordan or his posse so much as a scowl. Nix really hoped he wasn't building a case against them trespassing, black magic, or other such nonsense. Bond didn't arrive until just before third period, and Nix was surprised the windshield message was still somewhat visible. Apparently Fawn had let it dry and later tried to scrape it off with marginal success. People on the sidewalk tried to decipher it as they walked by. That last letter is definitely an E, a freckle-faced girl said to the boy hanging off her arm. It says single, Jordan said over their shoulders. Didn't you hear? Fawn got dumped last night. Nix grabbed Jordan's arm and frog-marched him to class. As much as she wanted to see Fawn's face as she got out of the truck, she also didn't want to cause a dramatic confrontation in the parking lot. Also, she didn't want to give Fawn the satisfaction of seeing Nix's black and blue face. Who would have thought the pixie could kick so hard? My dad heard me come in last night, Nix grimaced. I'm guessing he was mad at you? When is he not? but he told me Midland PD closed the fire investigation. They chalked it up to bad wiring. No signs of accelerant, so they've ruled out arson. Probably why McGuckin spied on us last night. He heard the news and wasn't about to let us pesky teenagers escape justice without a fight. The last few hours of school flew by, not only because everyone was treating Nix and her friends like celebrities, but because Tiago still seemed to find Nix interesting. At lunch, he questioned her how her face was feeling what she'd managed to see from outside Sarah's house, and Fawn's reaction in the truck. In Homec, Tiago offered Nix his portion of peach cobbler. She couldn't eat more than a few bites with him watching, and ended up giving the rest to Principal Weatherwax, who was visiting to ensure his late wife's recipe was properly memorialized. Why not let my mum drop you off? Tiago asked Nix and Jordan on the way out of seventh period. She brought the hummer today. Sounds good to me, Jordan said. We have to wait for Fawn. Nick stared at him. Don't worry, she's not coming with us, Jordan said. But if we hang out in the parking lot for a few more minutes, I guarantee it will be worth it. Tiago furrowed half an eyebrow, then went ahead to tell his mom. When Jordan and Nix arrived at the parking lot, they heard what sounded like a crow on speed. Jordan pulled Nix behind a maintenance van. It's that crazy bear girl. I don't want her to see us. Beryl? Was she the one making the cawing sounds? Do you even have to ask? Nick stepped back out into the open. What's the rush? We've got to wait for your surprise anyway. Besides, I want to thank Beryl for helping us with auditions. Whatever, it's your social suicide. If you were concerned about social status, you would have ditched me years ago. An out-of-breath redhead suddenly appeared, interrupting whatever witty retort Jordan had planned. Hi, Beryl, Nick called. Jordan, look who it is. 
Jordan turned slowly toward them and displayed a stiff smile. Whoa, Beryl said. They weren't joshing about the face. Nix cleared her throat. Hmm, yeah, Fawn's not as weak as she looks. Did you hear me calling you guys? Are you talking about the animal sounds? Jordan asked in a tired voice. Or did you actually say something in Homo sapien? Homecoming dance tonight. Are you gentle folks coming? Nix blinked. She'd been so preoccupied with protecting Sarah that homecoming hadn't even registered. I'm grounded, Jordan said with an exaggerated frown. I probably will come, Nick said. Even if she didn't have a dress or a date, there were always kids who showed up casual, and anything was better than hanging out with her mom for the evening. Jordan scanned the parking lot. Where is Fawn? The auditorium, Beryl said. They posted the cast list. Oh, Nick said with a sad smile. I guess there's no real point in walking all the way down there if we already know. Beryl grinned. Don't be so sure. Nix and Jordan followed Beryl to the auditorium. After pushing her way through the swarm of kids gathered around the list, Nix found her name and followed the dotted line backward to her part. Phoenix Wack, Queen of Planktonland. She really did have a part, but whoever heard of the Queen of Planktonland? Wasn't plankton microscopic or something? The Queen part sounded promising. Maybe it was one of the leads. Tiago had the role of a piranha. Even Jordan made it in. He was listed as the sea urchin, whatever that was. Nick scanned the list again, and her face fell. Sarah's name was nowhere to be seen. Even if it would be nice to have Tiago all to herself, Sarah couldn't be left alone until Pillowhead was in prison. Nix would have to decline the part. See? I told you! Beryl said much too loudly in Nix's ear. You all got parts! Farts! Carts! Nix forced a smile. That's so great, Beryl. We couldn't have done it without you. Sweet! I'm the sea urchin, Jordan called out. Do we get to make my own costume? I don't understand why they gave me a part, Nick said quietly to Beryl. I mean, you saw my audition. Well, Mrs. Finkbone wasn't going to cast ya, Beryl whispered. But I told her I'd heard you sing and you sounded really good. Wow, she must really trust your judgment. Beryl strummed her lips. I don't think it's a very big part. A part's a part, Nick said. Then she remembered Sarah. But I'm not going to be able... Hey, I found Sarah's name, Jordan said from a few feet away. Nix pushed past a freshman who was jumping up and down, squealing into a cell phone. Jordan stood in front of another list. She's part of the crew, Jordan said. Stage production assistant. Does it say when they're meeting? Four to seven, Monday through Friday, like us. That means no more babysitting. I'm free. Nix wanted to shout, cry, and laugh at the same time. They'd done it. They'd all be spending the semester together in rehearsals. She could finally stop obsessing about Sarah's safety. Jordan did a little tap dance and read his name on the list again. Tiago would be so excited when he found out. Nix beamed at Beryl. Nothing could ruin this perfect moment. Fun! A girl screamed. You're Dorothy! The scent of rotting flowers filled the foyer. Fawn as the lead. Apparently, Mrs. Finkbone didn't share Jordan's goat prejudice. The throng of students parted in hushed silence. Vaughn sauntered to the list. Portia, the redhead from the party, followed close behind, carrying a purse much too small to possibly have any real use. Oh no, Vaughn said in her ridiculously low voice. I got the lead again. I was hoping to get a small part. I'm going to be so busy this year with the AP classes, and my friend Brian is always asking me to help him learn his lines. I think you'll have more free time than you think, 
Thornton and said from behind her, since Tiago's moved on to greener pastures. Fawn spun around. Greener pastures? You mean like that whale that he... Fawn froze when her eyes met Nix's. I thought you... Were dead? Nix asked. I get that a lot. Fawn swallowed and then seemed to come to her senses. Let's leave these dorks to their little games, she said to Portia. And with identical evil glares at Nix, they moved to the exit. Say hi to your stepbrother for us, Jordan called after them. Fawn looked startled and began to turn around, but Portia pulled her through the glass door. This is going to be a fun semester, Jordan said with a chuckle. Nix didn't respond. She was too busy thinking about Brian. Something wasn't right with that guy. She would have to talk to Ms. Winkle about him. They'd spent a few more moments looking over the cast list before the door opened again and Tiago entered, bringing with him a rush of crisp autumn air. There you are, he said. You're not ready. They posted the parts, Nix ran up and threw her arms around him. We all made it! Nix expected him to step back and remove her arms, but he just stood there, grinning. He opened his mouth to say something, but it was drowned out by a chorus of ear-splitting screams from the direction of the buses. I can't believe I forgot! Jordan pushed past them to get outside. Nix and Tiago broke the embrace and followed Jordan to the east parking lot, where they found Fawn and Portia running in circles and batting wildly at their hair. Both doors to the red truck hung open. Nix couldn't see what they were screaming about. What did you do? Jordan's metallic grin widened. You were right about the pet store selling cheap crickets. I spent most of fifth period slipping them through the crack in Fawn's window. Nix smiled back. She was distracted. Fawn's purse lay on the ground, the contents strewn all over the pavement. Several more students stopped to laugh, a knot formed in Nix's stomach. As much as she disliked, okay, hated Fawn, it seemed they might be taking this revenge thing a little far, especially after the girl was almost eaten by Sarah's carpet. Nix left the boys and approached the truck. The girls had stopped their screaming, but still frantically worked their fingers through their hair to dislodge any tenacious insects. Nix crouched and collected Fawn's things back into the purse, chewing away the occasional cricket. She was replacing the top of a tube of lipstick when something caught her eye. It was a small note, dated yesterday, and obviously written in a boy's messy scrawl. Nix knew it was bad taste to read someone else's mail, but the name on the bottom of the paper made her curious. After checking to make sure the girls were still busy looking for crickets, Nix scanned the message. September 8th, 2004. Fawn, I made a mistake. It's you I want, not Sarah. If you forgive me, meet me at Sarah's house at 1am tonight and help me break up with her. Bring fake blood and a pair of scissors. You're Alfie. Nix's stomach knot twisted to include the rest of her organs. Was this note genuine? Why would Tiago write it? What the flip was going on? She glanced back at Tiago and found him staring directly back at her. He was no longer smiling.